You're listening to to the Show We Go Baseball podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 39 of To the Show We Go, uh, featuring Chris Henrique and myself, Andrew Parker. Um, if you haven't checked out any of the episodes this week, we've had a few Red Sox guys on in the system. We've had Chad Jennings from The Athletic on, so go check those out. We have our second member of the Orioles organization uh, joining us this offseason. We had Josh Lester, former Mizzou Tiger, um, and he uh, was generous enough. He talked to us for like an hour when we talked to him. That guy, that guy's a talker, and we yeah, love Josh Lester. <laughs> Um, but check that one out if you're into Orioles things and, uh, or anything like that. And you talked about Norfolk's great run. So that also leads me into today's guest. He's a mass native. Uh, so that's something that we, uh, we can get on board with. And it's, uh, he's a pitcher in the Orioles system, Morgan McSweeney, Morgan. Before we, uh, yeah, absolutely. Before we, we'll get into some baseball things in a little bit, but, um, what have you been up to this off season? Um, so, um, obviously staying in Massachusetts for most of the off season, my head down to Florida and, and run South when, once it starts snowing and stuff, but, uh, I'm in Hudson at Cressy sports performance. Um, I've been going there since I was 12 years old. I think they actually backtracked it. This is my 14th winter there. Um, so working out there just started throwing two, two, three weeks ago now. So starting to build back up, but obviously taking it slow this time of year, still tons of time. Um, but yeah, just trying to get back in, uh, in shape, some of the weightlifting stuff that you can't do in season and, and building some strength and getting ready for February. Can we talk about Cressy real quick? Because we've, this is our 39th episode this off season. Um, and it's every single episode is a different person on. So it's like either media member or a minor leaguer, major leaguer, whatever. Um, I don't know the number, um, what it is exactly, but over, I, I would say over half of our guests are Cressy. Uh, they work out at Cressy, whether it's at the Florida location or up here in mass, oh, I I'd say it. most of them I think are Florida. Um, what, what is, I know you said you've been there for like 14 years and, or whatever it is now, but what, what has Cressy meant to you, I guess, as you've uh, grown into your uh, professional career? A lot. Um, so I was lucky enough. I grew up in Hudson and that's where Cressy started. So it was the first time this is actually take Florida out of it. This is my third Massachusetts Cressy facility. So I've been all of them. Um, but the place it was called America's pastime. I was in the old mill building in downtown Hudson and Cressy had one cage at the end of it that they would, you know, do all their kind of movement stuff. And then they had basically a closet size, like the size of this room where they had a squat rack and a deadlift rack. Um, and that's I started going there when I was 12 just to like do some kind of weightlifting stuff. It was kind of like a package with the the pitching lessons. Um, and then as I got older, I think it really I started to get more serious there when I got uh, cut from my, my high school baseball team when I was 16 and started going to Cressy, you know, every day, six times a week for six months straight. And just saw like tremendous strides with a physically I, I was starting to grow a little bit and, you know, six, two at that point and 175 pounds soaking wet. So pack some pounds on. And then Matt Blake, who's the Yankees pitching coach was the director of pitching development at that point. So talk about like 
a just a great first impression and and b getting to work with him during the high school season when there's no pro guys around there's no college guys around all the other guys my age were out uh playing their high school baseball season so just some uh some great face time with those guys during that time in my career and also like I don't even know what you would pay at this point to get that type of one-on-one time with both Eric and Matt. So I think I just saw over the years, the best pieces of it and, and have seen crazy strides with it. I wouldn't even know how to approach an off season training regimen without their help down there. And those guys scripting programs and throwing programs and stuff. So. Is, is that something uh, too? So I, we've, we had Justin Hageman on a few uh, episodes back. He's a, uh, He's a, was in AAA for the Red Sox this past year, um, and he pretty much opened up about his whole Cressy experience. I think he's been going there for, gosh, I think he said six, seven years maybe at this point. Um, and he kind of opened up about like, you know, he knew it was the right place because you look around and there's a 10-year vet over there. There's, you know, I, I, I pulled up a picture. They're, they're always post pictures. Cressy's doing very good on social media. Yeah. Um, and there was like a... NFL punter Pat O'Donnell was there, like a PGA tour golfer was working out there. And then it was Hageman and uh, Waka, like all those guys. And does it kind of motivate you a little bit when you uh, know that you're working around some of the best of the best in the, uh, in, in the uh, game of baseball? A hundred percent. And that, that Florida facility, which is the reason I say I try to get down there a couple weeks before spring training. That's a, just a different beast down there. Like it's a, it's a who's who on a daily basis of guys that are, a consistently training throughout the whole off season because of the location, but also just guys that come through on the way to spring training and take live at bats or, or get some swings in. Um, and yeah, it goes beyond the baseball world at this point too, which is like crazy to think, to see where it's come. Um, I don't know what names I can and can't say, cause they try to keep a lot of kind of the big yeah. name people, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's multi sports and multifaceted, just borderline celebrities at this point that go in there because they know it's it's one of those places where nobody has their phones out nobody's taking pictures like you don't have to worry about any of the media stuff um and yeah it, it is cool to like last off season just training every day down there next to scherzer and verlander like you pick things up you kind of overhear conversations and get to know them a little bit and they've been doing it for so long and doing it so well you know if that's where they're putting their trust to to handle their off seasons it's it's a good spot yeah, it's uh, I like I said, you're probably the twentieth guy out of thirty nine on this that have sang praises for Cressy, and yeah, that's it's cool to hear. Yeah, it's uh, we I didn't really realize it, I guess, until this off season. I'm just like, hold on a second, like every single guy that is like, yeah, I don't know, every single guy that we've been talking to is there, so it's obviously they're doing something right. So, um, okay, so moving on for um, I guess on to your season this past year, you were part of a locker room that um it, all right so me so a little background for me and chris we covered the woo Sox in worcester this past year so okay uh, we got to see norfolk uh come in town and it was one of the most impressive teams i've i saw in triple a yeah uh, this past year <laughs> yeah uh, not for josh lester he went like one for 20 with a home run but um it's it's okay besides that uh, what was it like, I guess, as being part of just a dominant squad? You guys had uh, top prospects. You guys had uh, just guys that were just – I feel like they never stopped hitting, and you had guys that were going out and throwing gyms every day. So, like, what was it like, I guess, being in that clubhouse? It was it was awesome. It was one of my favorite 
kind of teams that I've been a part of, even outside of just how talented we were, like the clubhouse cohesion and, and the way that we hung out off the field and they had to kick us out of the clubhouse after games, like, which is, which is always what you want. And uh, I think that definitely showed through the way we played on the field. Like we were just a really tight knit group of guys. Um, I mean, top to bottom, there's big league impact bats and arms all over the field, which is always a good thing. Um, but yeah, that team is crazy talented. And I think you won't be able to completely put that into perspective until like 10 years from now, when you see what these guys are going to go do. Cause there's dudes on that team that can do crazy things for, I mean, guys that were in AAA all year that could have been borderline all-stars in the big leagues and contributed in big ways. So it'll be cool to see over the next couple of years, how that team evolves and you know, where everyone ends up. I have to ask too, were you one of the guys when you, uh, when they were playing in Worcester, were you one of the guys that played soccer in the outfield? I may have been the orchestrator of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I need to know the story behind that because I remember getting to the park one day, it was like three o'clock and I looked out every single day I was there. I'm like, those are the, that's the only team I've ever seen kicking a soccer ball around like every day. So we've always been, because to a degree, a lot of us came up through the organization together and then obviously guys come come and go, but a good group on that team had played together for, for many years now. And uh, we'd always played hacky sack. And I forget if we didn't have a hacky sack at the beginning of the season, but Kyle Doughty, who was with the Reds last season, uh, always had a soccer ball. And we never kind of, at the beginning of the year, gave him the time of day with it to like actually play. But we started doing it and it just became a, like a thing of trying to see how long we could keep it in the air. And we're te- we were terrible at soccer. Like none of us had ever tried to do that before. And as the season went on, we would like we were getting like 150, 200, keeping it in the air. And I mean, messing with each other too. Yeah, it was just fun. Um, but at a, I mean, at a certain point, if we had you know 3:30 stretch, we'd be on the field 15, 20 minutes early. There were times where we were like an hour and a half early on the field, getting out there and just like exhausted by the time we started stretching because we were playing soccer for so long. But that's just another thing, like how tight the team was. We were to to round up fifteen guys who want to go out an hour and a half early just to like mess around with the soccer ball in the outfield is like so cool. Yeah, it's uh, the only team I saw doing it all season long. Um, I, I I think I did ask Lester about it. I'm like, uh, are you are you one of those guys out there? He's like, no, no, no. Those are the pitchers. They're yeah. they're we don't I don't talk to them or something. You know, he's well, don't box us in. We we caught some position players we get all the catchers would get involved and we'd start to get some guys but it was funny as the year went on we'd see like durham had a soccer ball when they came to us at the end of the season and i think jacksonville had one at one point so i think we like to think they were like god they look like they're having fun out there with that and then when i got one we'll say worcester brought out a uh football a few times i know aj pleaty was throwing out a football a couple times yep um that's i didn't see any soccer balls though so i guess you might you might be safe on that one no, it was, it was the ping pong, really. It was just the ping yeah. pong in the locker room was there. Uh, yeah, was there yeah we don't have that. We, we need other outlets. Yeah. They had uh, the ping pong in the locker room got very, very intense. It was a little scary sometimes. But um, <laughs> what what was it like for you uh, being back in Worcester and playing at Polar Park? It was really cool. Um, I went to Worcester Academy, obviously, right up the street there. So I think the closest I've ever played in pro ball to home was probably Lowell in 19. Um, oh, yeah, it was, it was a busy week. There were more 
more people at those games because Worcester was was weird too because it's obviously they sell it out and pack it in pretty good so we don't get as many tickets as like at Norfolk that seats 12,000 and we don't fill it all the time so I'm like yeah I, I had to do math in the locker room before the game to figure out how I could steal people's tickets to like make it work but yeah it was a cool week uh, what do you think of uh, how they did on the stadium and um, and they're obviously they're building a ballpark village right now outside right fields oh really insane yeah yeah it's beautiful and the the clubhouse and you know the kitchen areas and and weight rooms underneath are really really nice too that's definitely one of the nicer ballparks we've played at yeah I I, uh, I remember uh, shout out to uh, our good friend Katie Morrison she writes for Mass Alive um, and she covers the Woo Sox but she was. I remember she, you guys came to town and she was like running past me and she's like, Morgan McSweeney's here. I covered him when he was like growing up. Like I covered him when yeah. he was in high school and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right. Like she was like booking it to go do something. I don't, I don't know if she yeah. interviewed you or what, but um, people were definitely excited when you got there because it's like a local kid and he's back playing. So um, yeah, it was, was cool. kind of cool. You didn't have that. Every, that every, too, every gave week. up a homer and I had a, a bunch of family in the stand. So I had to, I was like, we're not doing that today. <laughs> <laughs> was it uh, was it a Dahlbeck home run? No, no, it was. Uh, I can't remember his name. I've I've pitched Bobby pretty well, at least this past season. Um, no, I can't remember. Big righty hung a two-one slider that he just punished. No, I, I don't know. Who he had a ton of homers. Be. I think he had like twenty-five bombs. So that might narrow it down. I'm drawing a blank on it. I don't know why. That's bad, but maybe all I can look it up. It's okay. Yeah, I don't. You don't need to do like research or anything. But I was curious because we had um, we had Michael Plasmeyer on, who was in Lehigh Valley this past year, and he's a Mizzou guy. So like me and him knew each other, and uh, I kind of came. I talked to him a little bit on the field before, and then he pitched a game, and he pretty much told me afterward he's he gave up like a 500 foot home run to Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah, uh, it went like five fifteen or something. It was uh, it was a moon bomb, and he came up to me and he said, "I hate pitching in this ballpark. The ball just absolutely flies." So, oh, it does. It sure does. Yeah, it's a the only round of BP I saw that was scarier was probably in Vegas. Really? Oh, the ball just flies there. But yeah, Worcester plays a little small. Interesting. Okay, um, Chris, I feel like I've been hogging it from you. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, you're good. I, you get I, was, in. I was looking, trying to look up who the the hitter was now because it's it's going to be bad because we should know that and well it's going to be bad because he's going to think i didn't remember his name and the next year i'm gonna have to pitch him different because <laughs> i know like i said i know bob had 25 plus homers i, I could find it all right well while i'll look for oh. it and you can uh you can go in because i will it will drive me crazy it's one of those things <laughs> it's like i should know this but yeah, because I lost it. The only one I think it would be like Ronaldo Hernandez, but he didn't hit that many homers. Uh, that rings a bell. The catcher. It him. It's the only other. I think it was him. That's the only other yeah. name that all rings right, a We're good. All that lineup. Got it. All right, we're good. For the end of the year. Um, and that would make sense. That would make sense. Um, okay. Caught me off guard because I was looking up the. Uh, I was looking up the uh, the. the picture on that so it's all right so i'm gonna switch lanes a little bit here um i did you went to wake forest correct yep um so what wake forest has a fantastic baseball program um, they do. 
So yes. what what drew you to wake? Obviously the the name alone and the program, but everything. But what what kind of made you land on Wake Forest? Um. So a when I was looking at colleges, I definitely a big part of it was I wanted to go to a school that I probably wouldn't have been able to get into just on grades alone um, to give myself an opportunity in that regard. But when it came down to it, I just, at the time, Matt Hobbs was the pitching coach. who's at Arkansas now. And obviously Walt, um, the head coach just got a really good uh, feel for them through the recruiting process and felt like there was a, a good opportunity for me to make an impact as a freshman and location wise, it made sense. I really liked the school when I visited. Um, and then, um, one of my best friends from high school who ended up being my roommate with there was already committed. So maybe a little collusion, but yeah, just all around it kind of checked all the boxes that some other schools, maybe I had more questions about and no regrets there. Was, uh, did you, were there even any thought to stay, I guess, stay home in a way, like go to a school around here? There was, uh, so my mom went to BC, so I had a lot of interest in BC, but BC just as a program was kind of at a different spot at that point. It was before they had their, their field and, um, I don't want to get too far into it, but some interesting, they were late on the recruiting scene to me, truthfully. Um, I think if it was a little earlier, I probably would have shown a lot more interest there, but at that point I'd already, you know, visited Vandy and visited Wake and it it was just kind of, I kind of had my mind set up at that point outside of, of Boston. Um, but earlier on, yeah, I, d- I definitely would have, if they had got me as like a sophomore, I probably would have committed as soon as they got to me. Yeah. I was always curious about that. Cause I feel like, uh, now I feel like nowadays and we just, I just saw the mock draft for the 2024 draft and, uh, Northeastern has a kid that's pro- uh, projected to go in the top 10. And I'm just like, yeah, Northeastern's like, pr- is like kind of producing some, some guys these days. And, um, it used to not be like that, like, especially like BC and, um, what, there's another school in mass that's been, well, even, uh, Holy Cross has been, uh, producing guys as well. So, yeah, we, we always used to say, um, cause like my 2016 high school class between Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Hampshire, there was, there's probably five, six, seven of us that were like pretty legit D one arms or bats. And, uh, we always said if there was a school in Massachusetts that could figure out how to keep people at home, it'd be a wagon. Yeah. I, uh, I agree completely. Um, we had Jeff Locke on uh, the show as well. He's a former all-star from New Hampshire and he's kind of hyping us up. He's like, guys, New Hampshire baseball. Like, you know, it's, it, it might be a one in a dozen up here. It's like Chris Carpenter and a few other guys, but he's just like, we're, you know, if we can just find that one spot in New Hampshire, like kind of like what you said in mass. And I'm just like, I don't know if it's at the same scale, but um, yeah. Car- Chris Carpenter obviously is Chris Carpenter and, uh, Jeff Locke made an all-star team, so you can't really hate on that either, but, um, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see baseball in the Northeast kind of pick up a little bit. Cause I walk into the clubhouse in Worcester and I see a bunch of Texas guys. I see a bunch of Georgia guys, California guys, and now New Jersey is popping up like crazy. Yeah. Um, and I'm ready to see some more like new England guys, to be honest. So I think it's getting there. I just think the way that it's becoming so much more accessible to get good baseball training in the Northeast. Like I remember when I was in high school, there the only two real travel teams around here were like Northeast Baseball and Roughnecks, and now there's, you know, ten or fifteen of them that are producing D1 players regularly. So, to me, that just tells you there's so many more guys that are competitive and you know, not necessarily specializing in it early, but getting more serious with it. 
Yeah, and uh, oh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm finish. Be good. <laughs> I was gonna I'm ask you to. So look, I, you keep going. Oh no, I'm just kind of floating around right now. Um, I'm so. I'm curious. I I uh, I didn't see at all, but have you? Did you get a chance to play on the Cape at all? Yeah. So I went to Brewster in 2018, and I had an innings limit, and kind of my shoulder was barking, so I only threw there twice. Um, but I spent the whole summer down there with the team. Um, Chris Murphy was actually my catch partner when I kind of threw my shoulder out. Nothing serious, but. Like yeah, Chris so Murphy was, from the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so 2018, that was a great summer. I wish I could have thrown a little more, but that was the first year I was a starter at Wake, so I came out of the season with like 75 innings, and they just wanted to get me to like 80, 85. More like a just go home and have fun living in the Cape thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, – who did we just have that um, – we had a guy who just got drafted uh, by the Red Sox this past year on uh, this past week, and – he had played for the Brockton rocks and that's another team that I feel like obviously like you had the big story of like Pedro and uh, Manny Ramirez and all those, uh, all the legends out here, all their sons were playing on a team for the Brockton rocks. And I'm just like, I got to start looking into that league more because obviously the Cape gets a ton of attention, which warranted it does. It's got some of the best talent for college um, in the entire country, but uh, Brockton rocks, man. They're starting to draw some eyeballs and some uh, people to the seats there in Brockton. So, yeah, they get a lot of those guys uh, like incoming freshmen in college that go that summer before. I've seen a lot yeah. of those guys go to like Brockton or Worcester playing that league. Yeah, it's it's been uh, fun. Chris, you look concerned yeah. right now. No, I think there's a new league that's also going to play there. Or I don't know if they're getting rebranded um, that I saw online. Um it's going to play out in Brockton as well. I, I just I can't remember if it's going to be the, the Rocks are switching over. It's like the Chowder Heads or something like that is what the team's going to end up being that's going to be out there. But I only just saw that a few weeks back. Um, you, were, you were part of, uh, not this past year, but the year before, you were part of a no-hitter. What was that like? Yeah. God, I feel so long ago now. <laughs> um, it was cool. I remember, so it was a double-header, so it was a seven-inning game. And I remember at the time, I think I knew it was a no-hitter, but I didn't know the game was over because it was a seven-inning game. So when like people started storming out of the dugout, I was kind of like, we still got two more innings to play, don't we? <laughs> um, so I think that took away from it a little bit because if it always feels a little fake in, in a seven-inning game. But, yeah, it was definitely cool. It felt good to not blow it. I gave up like a, a missile with one out that just went foul. Um, but yeah, our starter that day stall shoved. So he probably earns a little more of that than I did. I thought we were going to see a no hitter in Worcester this, uh, this past year when um, John means was rehabbing. Yeah. Um, and I think he only gave up one hit, I think in the, uh, yeah. innings. I was like, Holy cow, like <laughs> this guy is an animal. Um, so this was your second season being in AAA. So you got a taste of it last year. Um, you come back this year. And what was it like for you, I guess, uh, this time around? So you, you already got the taste of it last year. You understand, like, I, I feel like I've heard guys say that AA to AAA, like, locker rooms are just very polar opposite because you have a lot of veterans, a lot of guys with MLB time in the AAA clubhouse. So what was it like for you, I guess, in year two? 
Uh, yeah, different for sure. I just think the the game speeds up in a different way. It just becomes hitters are so much smarter. Maybe not smarter, but it's just so much more a mature approach. Like you don't get away with stuff on the mound that you do in double A, um, and it's so much harder to just out stuff people. Uh, but yeah, the locker room is definitely different too. You have older guys. Um, there's usually a little beer around after the games. You don't get that in double A a whole lot. Um, like kids running around. It, it definitely feels like the more prototypical pro ball versus you could still like double A feels almost like a, like a post-college league. It's a lot of younger guys and guys that are one, two, three years removed from college versus then this year, it's like, we have guys with 10 years of service time. We have guys that are 35 and have two kids and have some cool stories. And the the conversations change too. We always talk about like the bullpen conversation in double A is a little less mature. And then the bullpen conversations in triple A is more like talking about, you know, arbitration and uh, like service time, what you get at two years, that type of stuff, like options. You never hear about like, I didn't know anything about you could only go up five times and DFA and waivers, all that type of stuff. So the conversation becomes a little more business-like in AAA, which is cool. You learn a ton of stuff. I think you had as well one of the, in AAA. You may have had one of the better coaches in, I'd say, minor league baseball. Yeah, um, I'd put him up there with with Chad Tracy. I mean, we might be a little biased just because we were around him every day, but. Um, it, I've heard a ton of good stuff about uh, Buck Britton and what I guess like just the job he did this past year. And I remember I was listening to a guy. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Rob Bradford and baseball isn't boring. Yeah. But um, he had Buck on and he was kind of talking. He's like, you know, he's shocked that Buck Britton is not getting more like, I guess, MLB like rumors is like this guy could fill a role in the MLB. Yeah, um, I totally agree. So what was it like playing for him and I guess just uh, learning under him? Buck is – so I've been lucky enough. I played with Buck um, 2021, played for Buck in Bowie, and then obviously the past two years, parts of the last two years. And I just think he's so good at, like, maintaining a locker room. He doesn't, like, overstep. He kind of lets the team dictate the vibes of the locker room, but he's also so good at just making sure everyone's got a level head and – He's the guy that, like, end of the season in Buffalo, we're already clinched playoffs. We had a tough week. We went two and four. It snowed. Like, guys are worried about their stats at the end of the season, all that type of stuff where he closed the book. And we lost on Saturday, and I think we were a little bummed out, and he came in and, like, turned the music on. And that's just, like, having the feel to do that because there's not a lot of guys that are going to do that, just turn the music on after a loss. But he just knows how to, like, keep guys looking forward. Um and he puts on a, a hell of a post game. We call it club dub. He's got a it gets it gets better every year, but he's got a smoke machine now and he's got probably thousand dollars worth of strobe lights and neon wow. lights in the locker room. Yeah, he put he puts a good show on. It's funny to see how it's evolved since twenty one. Twenty one it was just he plays Thunderstruck and gives out the Thor hammer to the player of the game. And it's it gets a little more theatrical every year. If he gets big big league resources with it, it <laughs> it might be special. Yeah, when we when we were in uh, Worcester, when we first got there, there was like at the beginning of the year, I would walk in the clubhouse to sit Andrew all the time. Like, dude, it's like a wake down here. 
it was like the guys were afraid to turn the music on. And then, like, oh, really? Then it's like, you know, get Andrew and I, we're here like to cover the team, but we're also trying to like get our bearings of, you know, what to say, what you don't say. So we finally started to go up to the guys being like, like, why, why is there no fucking music playing? Like, I, like, why is it so damn quiet down here? And they were like, oh, no, no, I don't know if like if we can put it on. I'm like, I, I kind of felt like we've let a little revolution down there to be like, we're media here trying to get some energy in your clubhouse. Yeah. Once they, finally, once they finally felt comfortable, um, the music would be, would, you know, would be going from there. But at first that, that Woosocks clubhouse, it was so damn quiet every day. It was like, a, it was like, a, it was going awake. Yeah. Oh yeah, that ain't our. Meanwhile, problem. they were having a, a strobe light and uh, whatever over in the uh, in the other yeah. clubhouse. Though I think on Tuesday, the first day we won, the away clubbies were kind of like, "Oh, this might get ugly." These kids are partying like they won the World Series after everyone. <laughs> was uh was last year the your first year that you were a non roster to spring training invite? Yep. So oh. I was I backed up like twenty days the year before, but was never was never like had a locker. So last year was the first year. And it was really cool. What's what, like, what are just some of the differences going from, you know, what, like what you were the the two years prior to now being up there, obviously there's, you know, there's like the meal check things along those lines, but just what was like the, that feeling when you first found out like, Hey, I'm, I got this invite. Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was, I'll say, even though just being in this org for four seasons now, there's so many guys up there that I'm either familiar with or, or pretty tight with, but it's still, you understand, especially having played in AAA prior to, to getting a, an invite to that, that when you walk in that locker room, like just to a degree, you got to kind of keep your head down and not intervene and in, in too much stuff. Like it's a, they have their own locker room in the big leagues and, and, you can assimilate to a degree, but at the same time, it's like when you're a non-roster invite, they, those guys are kind of trying to get their bearings for the season two and, and get a feel for their locker room and get ready for, for their season. So you learn to kind of listen instead of talk a lot of the time. Um, and then you, you earn your, you earn your right to, to kind of start being in those conversations as you perform and, and show the guys that you belong. How are, um, how are you guys going to follow up the season that you guys just had um, with the playoff run that you guys had? Um, has, was that anything that maybe Buck or anybody in the org kind of was like, okay, like, um, you know, we got to try to do this again next year? No, I think I'm sure those will have conversations about that once we kind of get settled in this season. But I think, yeah, to put into perspective too that there'll be so much turnover with the team. A guys that are going to be in the big leagues or guys that moved on to other orgs or or hung it up. We had some older guys that don't know if they'll be playing again this year. Um and, and Buck does a really good job. Like he says all the time, nobody wants to be in triple A. At the end of the day, you're you're trying to perform there to go up. So as cool as it is to to win a triple A championship and like kind of be where your feet are at, I think the bigger goal. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of guys that want to do that again is, is the reality of it. Um, so it's just put into perspective that like every team's going to change. The clubhouse is going to change. Whoever's there when the time comes to kind of compete for that again next year, I'm sure is going to be all in on that. But at the same time, you want to ideally get out of there as quick as possible, if not have to go back. All right, Morgan, 
I am switching lanes here. You're going to get in your car and you want a fast food fried chicken place and you have every single option available to you. So any, any place you've ever been to before you have got to be a drive through. Sure. Let's well, yeah. Cause it's, it's fast food, right? So, okay. um, so drive through, where are you going? I don't think this is going to be the fun answer, but I'm going to go to McDonald's. <laughs> I am. And I'm gonna, and it's, face I know. I, kinda, I like McDonald's, man. The drinks are good. And I think my go-to McDonald's meals, I just get a spicy chicken sandwich, that new chicken sandwich they got, and just a plain double cheeseburger. That was the first McDonald's we've had all offseason. That's the cold, hard truth right there, though. There, there was a correct answer to this, but you're a mask guy, so it's like I don't. It's not really fair, I guess. Maybe, in, maybe they have oh, some in Norfolk. What's the correct answer? The correct answer is Zaxby's. Oh yeah, see, I haven't spent a lot of time or places that are there's Zaxby's. Yeah, I figured, or like a Canes, or um, yeah, know. never. They just opened a, a Canes in Marlboro. I drive by it on the way to the gym, but I never tried it. Yeah, okay. I would say Chick Fil A. Yeah, see, well, Chick Fil A's been like the main answer. You know what ruined Chick Fil A for me though? At Wake, they have a Chick Fil A Express in the cafeteria, and it's it was the most disgusting, heinous quality Chick Fil A. Like constantly soggy bread. The sandwiches had been out there for an hour at any given time, and I think it really stained Chick Fil A for me. That's respectable. Yeah, I, had, I had the grilled. I was saying that I don't remember if it was last podcast one before. I had the grilled like chicken tender bites the other day from Chick Fil A, and it's like it's kind of overrated. This is what it really wasn't that great. I've heard a lot of people getting sick from those. As weird as that is, I have a couple friends who have had the, the grilled nuggets because I do like those too. I don't know that they're really healthier for you, but in my brain, if it's grilled instead of fried, it's a little healthier. Yep. But it well, just I, makes you feel weird. Yeah, I was I forgot what I saw on TikTok. I forget who it is. This woman, she basically she goes to like fast food places and she tries to find the most healthiest options and she buys this like the chick-fil-a nuggets in bulk and then she uses that as her meal prep and i mean she looks pretty fit so i was like all right well i mean it seems to work for her so i'll give it a shot i personally like a wendy spicy chicken sandwich that's oh that's, wendy's a sleeper pick that's that's mine yeah i don't hate that you just can't beat donnie's steakhouse <laughs> you're the first one off season i think um, you know you gotta get you gotta get more blue collared guys on i think mcdonald's if you got a bigger sample size would come up more often you know what i i, I i'm not hating on it like i i'm not like oh like that's disgusting you're craving like, it now like, i can see it i like i like mcdonald's <laughs> like i'm not like uh i'll never say i don't but you're the first one like all off season it's it's been chick-fil-a dominant and then we had some texas guys on that say some like texas chains or whatever but yeah um yeah mcdonald's man i i don't hate it so i'm gonna let that one pass because you're probably you could be the only one this off season say that so i i dig it we'll circle back at the end we'll see yeah i i was i didn't know if you were gonna throw me through a loop and say like 99 or something but um oh, no it's <laughs> I bet a lot of guys didn't say it because my nutritionist is probably going to text me after this and be pissed. It's okay. Um, <laughs> They're trying we to accidentally – we busted some, a guy uh, who's in Portland for the Red Sox. Uh, somebody leaked his pregame routine on what he eats before he pitches, and it's it's uh, a lot of Dr. Pepper, let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, the nutritionist was getting on him. I'm like, oh man, we can't we can't be outing people on their uh, pregame yeah. routines here anymore. <laughs> All right, so um, I, I got the chicken question out of the way. That's that's always an important one because uh, once Zaxby's a sponsor, of this eventually. So I got to send him clips every time people say Zaxby's, but that was not that's not going to happen from this. Oh, one, you should have okay. cooked books a little bit. I would have lied. It's okay, man. I, I don't need it. I, I I like the McDonald's answer out of you. So, um, okay. You ha- all right? So I did tell you that I did get a scouting report from a fellow teammate this past year. Josh Wester was not anything bad. It honestly was just uh, he's the man. It's going to be a really fun one, and he kind of went on a little bit, but I don't I don't need to spare you the the um, over niceness that he was giving me or whatever the word would be. Oh, but um, sweetheart. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's uh, I'm I'm rooting for him to find a team, but um, he's a terrible fantasy football commissioner, though. Is he really? Do you guys have a team? Like, did you guys get a team together for uh, in Norfolk? We did. We have a league. Um, I don't want to talk about it. I think I'm one in eleven. Oh man, is it is it just one of the? All right, I gotta know though. Is it a one in eleven where you had Justin Jefferson and he's like out for the season type thing? Or is no, it like, I had Nick Chubb. It's not even a bad uh, team. It's Lamar, Nick Chubb, who's obviously not playing. Uh, Bijan, Debo, T Higgins. It's just, just wasn't just, our year. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if you were the guy that got like Aaron Rodgers. You, your team was like Rodgers, Chubb, Jefferson. Well, I guess that wouldn't really make sense, but you know, just all the guys that are out for the year. And uh, uh, I wish, I wish I had a better excuse. Oh man, I'm gonna have to ask him about that. But why is he a bad commissioner? I gotta hear. This. I just think he's a. I'm kind of joking, but I think he's a scam artist. I try to veto all the trades, and sometimes I can round up enough people that we will veto it, and he still pushes them through. Oh. Which is fair because we're vetoing them out of spite. It's not like okay. actually a bad trade. That's a little slight, uh, you know. He's uh, doing a little Goodell over there, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So um, he's taking full dictatorship. <laughs> have you uh, have you gotten a chance to go to any Bruins or Celtics this off season? I haven't. No, I'm. I, I want to. Bruins tickets are expensive. <sighs> yeah, it's and I'm uh, not a huge hockey guy. I like. I think hockey's like the best sporting event to go to. Like the best energy. But I'm not a huge hockey guy that I can justify paying a ton of money. I got to go to some Celtics games, though. Okay. You were wearing a Bruins hat, so I was – I know. (laughs) I got no answer for that. (laughs) Someone was talking my ear off about the Bruins the other day. I was like, dude, I don't – I just wear this because I'm from here, I think. (laughs) I just like the corduroy. I don't don't hate it. Um, Yeah, I mean, dude, those those Bruins tickets are – not uh you sit up in the nosebleeds and you're still paying like 200 yeah. plus dollars and it's like it, it, sometimes it's hard to justify it man and i got bad eyes i can't see from the nosebleeds yeah it's uh we're we're kings of bad eyesight over here so um i think this is a bad bad eyesight um podcast you know chris chris glasses guy i'm a contacts guy it is what it is but yeah so chris i have a couple more i have two more questions one's baseball related one's not I want you to empty the bench here. You've given us 40 minutes of your time, Morgan, so we appreciate that. So, Chris, do you have any ones to to kind of uh, end it on? Yeah, just I'll kind of keep my theme of asking the guys. Um, just, you know, when you're not doing baseball, you're not training, um, do you have an activity? Are you a video games guy? Is there a certain, like, Netflix show that consumes your time? Tell us a little about what you like to do when you're not focusing on baseball. Yeah, uh, a big golf guy. 
I golf a lot. It's it's a little tough up here this time of year, but when we're in Florida, we we're frequently golfing. Um, I'm not really that good. I started over COVID. I actually did lessons at a place in Worcester that had a simulator that I could play on for free. And when there was nothing else to do, I was just golfing 24-7. Um, not a huge video games guy. I play like Fortnite with my buddies just to like keep in touch with them, which is funny. It's like so much easier to get two or three of your buddies and, and play a video game and talk to them for an hour versus like FaceTiming people or something. Mm-hmm. So so true, though. Um, and then I'm watching. I'm binging Suits right now. All right. Love on that. Netflix. Like, love that. I should be in prison. I've watched four seasons of Suits since Saturday. <laughs> I don't even know if the math adds up on that, but I've done it. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I need nah, to go oh, touch man. some grass. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's a solid series. I, um, I, I watched it when it was on regular TV, and then I, I'm like a creature of going back to shows that I oh, me too. versus going and like experiencing new shows, and I binged them again on, I think it was Prime, I think this time last year, and now it's on Netflix, and every time I log yeah. in, I see Suits pops up, I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll do it again. That's a that's a girthy rewatch. Yeah, it is, but... <laughs> Although I've, wa- I've rewatched Friends, I've seen Friends like four times through. Uh, I've never seen Friends. Oh, no, I never did. I don't know why. I'm not. I I think it's probably a great show. I just never got into it. I guess I'll say it's like the perfect background show while you're like doing something and just have it on because you don't have to like pay that close attention. I've tried to get into It's Always Sunny to be like that background show because I've heard so many people tell and I like it. It's just I can't get through it. I don't know why. Yeah, Uh, that's a good one. too. that show's hilarious. It is. It's just, it's so hard. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm trying to, especially in the off season, you got a little more time and it's like, man, it's hard. It's hard these days. I don't know why. Um, yeah. All right, Chris, I, um, well, I have a, a non, it's like a baseball related, but it's not like a playing baseball related question. Um, you're, you know, you grew up here and I'm sure in your previous life, you were a big Red Sox fan. Do you have like, did you ever have like any games that you went to at Fenway when you were a kid or anything that sticks out to you where like that was probably one of my best like experiences as a fan when you were younger? Yeah, I actually, so I went with my dad and one of his work colleagues who like got us tickets to the game and it was against the Mariners. I got it bookmarked somewhere on my computer, the highlights of it. It was Felix Hernandez pitched and it was the game that they scored like eight runs in the eighth or ninth came back the game where Johnny Gomes caught the ball and like banged off the scoreboard and all the letters kind of flew off. Um, and then I forget who hit the walk off, but in like the sixth inning, they were down like eight, nothing or 10, nothing or something. And my dad was like, let's beat the traffic. And I was like, no, I kind of want to see the end of it. And it was like a crazy comeback. I forget who hit the walk off though. But that game was like, like a, a bucket list game to be at. Wow, I was I was expecting something a little earlier. That uh, when you said Johnny Gomes, I was like, "Holy cow!" That was yeah, that was probably. Good. I was a little. I was probably fourteen. Yeah, I'm I'm saying that now and thinking about it, I'm like, "Holy cow, we are old." Like that was yeah, no 10, over ten years ago. Ten man. years ago. Holy cow. Yeah. Sheesh. Um, I yeah, I, was, I, I didn't any like Red Sox playoff games when I was younger, at least that I can remember. I went to the Yankees to... Uh, Red Sox wild card game a couple of years ago. That was cool. 
Oh, Garrett Cole. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that place was rocking. I've heard that that was the loudest that place has been in quite some time. Um, yeah. It's. I, I was at the the greatest bar down by the garden watching. Oh that. no, kidding! It was, yeah, it was crazy, man. Like my fiance grew up in St. Louis. She's like not like a. She's kind of a Cardinals fan, I guess. Whatever. Um, and she was like screaming, and I'm like. I looked over, Mike. You've never done that for sports, and she was screaming that night. So um, that's what Red Sox Yankees does when it's good. So yeah, no kidding. We were in like the Yankees fa- uh, family section, so like behind home plate, but like kind of all the way up. And the way that the sound like funneled down towards the field and like into the because it's like the overhang, it was just like freakishly loud. You couldn't even talk to each other. I wanted to. I we need it back again, man. It's. It's yeah. better when Fenway's buzzing like that. It's uh, it's sad when it's not. So, I got one one last baseball related question for you before we let you go. You've given us a ton of your time. Um, going into next season, um, it's already December first. That's kind of crazy. I just looked at it. Um, kind of forgot that it was already December. But yes, spring training is right around the corner. I was kind of thinking about it. It's like you're probably gonna have to report in what less than three months. Um, yeah, mid February. It's coming, man. It's it's already almost here. But um, I, I hate asking if you necessarily are a goals guy at all. But do you have things that you want to accomplish next season? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like outside um, of stats. Oh yeah. I just. I mean, a ton of stuff, kind of delivery wise and and pitch shaping wise this off season, which is funny. You say it's it's right around the corner to me. It's like. I've only been throwing for three weeks now. I think today was day like nine of throwing. So in my mind, I still have like so much stuff to do before I can even think about that. February feels so far away, like two and a half months in a, in a throwing program is an eternity. Um, but I have a ton of things that I want to just clean up and refine before next season to put myself in the best position come camp. And I mean, obviously, yeah, I want to, I want to pitch a lot in the big leagues next year and help that team contribute. It was so cool seeing them, you know, get to the playoffs and have the type of season they did and, you have a little like FOMO watching guys that you played with either that year, just guys that you're really good friends with contributing up there and, and playing at Camden in front of sold out crowds and stuff. So the goal is definitely to get up there and just contribute in whatever way can help that team win. Bucketless park, by the way, Camden yards. It's, I know. Uh, I've for, never been there. Yeah. It's I, I just going as a fan or I couldn't even imagine playing there. It's it, especially now that they're, they're very good. So, yeah, I said I would step foot in it the day I debuted when I got drafted because they do goal. all sorts of at the lower levels They because we're so close to it. They all are off days. You can go to the games and stuff. And I was like, no, I'll go there when I pitch. I like it. Um, I, I did have one thing to, to kind of uh, piggyback on what you just said. And I, I was curious about something in um, your pitching coordinator in the Oriole system is Mitch Plasmeyer, yeah. So the brother yeah. of Michael Plasmeyer, who's a friend of our show. Um, what has it been like, I guess, working with with him? Awesome. Yeah, he's he's super knowledgeable. Um, I went up this season and and worked with him in the pitching lab in Baltimore for a couple of days, um, and he gave me some awesome feedback that helped me when I was struggling to kind of get back on track and and kind of go on a tear the last two months of the season. So I owe him a lot this past year. I always have to show love to the Mizzou Tigers, man. It's uh, they're all over the place. I have to show love to them. Um, yeah, and he's one of them. So, 
All right, Morgan. Um, we appreciate all the time, man. It's uh, it's it's always good to get a mask guy on, um, especially uh, a guy that's local to Worcester as well. When whenever you were in town this past year, people were freaking out and for good reason. So, yeah. um, but th- thank you so much for for joining us, and we we appreciate it a ton. Yeah, thank you guys for talking with me. Appreciate it.